Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, Coach's Corner with Ana DeSouza. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 69 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, I want to introduce our brand new rock star coach, Anna, to talk about all things Anna. Hi, guys. What's I feel like up? it's appropriate that I'm on episode 69. Absolutely. Super appropriate. <laughs> so, Anna, you come from Brazil. I do where you studied nutrition and exercise and all the things that you did. And I kind of want to talk about, I guess, your entry into this world of fitness and nutrition and where it all started for you. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to preface this by saying I have no accent. I swear I'm Brazilian. I promise it's not a lie. <laughs> um, I just to give you guys a, a little background on myself. I grew up in Boston, so I'm pretty much half Brazilian, half American at this point. I joke that I'm the most American Brazilian you'll ever meet, but I was born in Brazil and I so lived when, half my life. When did you move here? Uh, I So I moved to the U.S. when I was about a year and a half years old. Is that your, a, a year and a half, a, a year and a half, whatever you get it before I turned two, I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I grew up in Boston and I was in, I did all my schooling up until the seventh grade in the U S and then I moved back to Brazil when I was about 14 ish. And then I was in Brazil for another 10 years and I moved back to the U S in 2017. So it's been four and a half years almost that I'm back in the US. And then from Boston, I moved to San Diego. So for all of you listening, I'm not on the East Coast anymore. I'm on the West Coast, thank God, because it's nicer weather, even though it's getting chilly <laughs> over here. Um, but it's more like my Brazilian weather. So a little better for me. So wait, um, I, have, I have a question. Yeah. Does that mean that you have a American accent when you speak in Brazilian? I don't. So I don't have an accent in either language, which is what is the Portuguese? Yeah, it's Portuguese. Yeah, it's Portuguese. OK. <laughs> yes. So All I right. speak fluent Portuguese and fluent English and I'm native. I'm a native. I'm considered a native speaker in both languages. All right. So um, your your fitness journey. Yep. So I would say I probably got into the fitness industry before I got into it professionally, I got into fitness when I first started college. Um, I remember my freshman year of college. So to backtrack a little bit, I actually originally went to school for political sciences, which as you can imagine, living in Brazil and studying political sciences in Brazil, I wasn't very happy with what I was seeing. I, I originally chose that major because I wanted to change the world and I wanted to impact people's lives positively. And, you know, I was doing internships from freshman year. So in Brazil, you can be an intern in your, uh, 
in your field of work from the first year of college. So I became an intern because I needed money and I started to see all of the dirtiness that was happening behind the scenes. And I just became very unhappy with that. And I was juggling work life uh, or work studies, life, all that stress. And I wasn't eating very healthy. I had never really exercised formally in my life. My mom, I have memories of my mom trying to get me to play soccer when I was younger because I was uh, not a very healthy child either. And I hated it. I hated any type of physical activity. And when I first started exercising, it was probably when I was in the very beginning years of my college career. And I realized I was eating ramen every night for dinner and not exercising. And I wasn't able to walk from the bus stop to my, where my internship building was without getting out of breath and not feeling good. So not to mention, I didn't look very good either. I, uh, you know, my clothes started not fitting anymore. And then I started getting a little concerned with my aesthetics too. So I joined a gym at that time and I was still going to school for political sciences. And then that's when I realized I had no idea what I was doing, like zero. I had no background in exercise. I had no background in nutrition and my, you know, all of what I knew was from what I was reading in magazines and we didn't even have, and blogs at the time, right? We, we didn't have Instagram. So it was just like random Google searches and blogs. So that's where my fitness journey began. And I, this is a personal, a personality trait of mine. That's a positive trait, a negative trait in some aspects where I'm very much a perfectionist. And I like to have a full understanding of everything I'm doing. This might be a female thing too, but if I don't fully understand what I'm getting myself into, I won't do it. So when I started going to the gym, I was like, okay, I have to understand why I have to understand what I'm doing, how I'm going to do it. And I started doing my own research at the time and still going to school for political sciences. And then about a year before I was due to graduate, I put a pause on my studies and I was like, okay, I need a career change. I'm not going to become a diplomat. I'm not going to change the world in a macro point of view. And at the time I met my now husband, JP, and he was a trainer at the gym that I was working out at. And he was, uh, he was probably my initial support system to actually switch majors, but also he was the person who taught me my initial, what I know about fitness, my initial, like the physiology aspect behind it. But I noticed he was lacking a lot in the nutrition. So at the time blogs were big, right. And Instagram had just started. And I was like, okay, we can do this. We should just partner together and you do the, you know, the fitness workout aspect of the blogging part. And I'll do the nutrition. I, I had no formal education in nutrition at the time, but I, I was just consuming it and all the time. And I was reading articles and I was bringing them to him. And I was like, Hey, you have to apply this with your clients. You have to do this. Let's use me as your Guinea pig. And let's just start a fitness blog about my fitness journey, your fitness journey, and let's do it together. And he was like, okay, why don't you just go to school for nutrition and, you know, study nutrition. We can, once, once you graduate, we can, I don't know, open our own clinic, like a sports nutrition clinic or something. And we can, we can do that professionally together. And somewhere along the lines, uh, he actually is no longer a personal trainer. He decided he didn't want that for himself as a career 
choice. And I just kept going. So that's when I switched majors. I, um, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but I went to the federal university of Minas Gerais, which is my home state in Brazil. And thankfully it's free. So it's hundred percent government funded and it's like, it's the Brazilian Ivy league. Uh, so it's really difficult to get into, especially because it is government funded and you don't have to pay out of pocket to go to school. So uh, when I decided to switch majors, I wasn't sure I was going to get into the nutrition program because I had already studied for three years and I had already been government funded for three years. And it was just, um, it was a pivotal point in my life. And I realized that throughout that whole journey of being very depressed and upset and not understanding what I wanted to do with my life, the nutrition and fitness portion are what got me through the changes. And I realized I was like, you know what, this changed my life. I want to, and I still had that mentality of, I want to change the world. I want to change. Um, I want to change people's lives. I want to positively impact people. So I switched majors thinking of that. And I wanted to apply that to my coaching and to how I was going to impact people's lives. And that, because it was such a big chunk of my fitness journey and my transformation, my life transform transformation journey. Soon, soon after that, I, and one of the reasons why my husband is actually no longer in fitness is because I moved to the U.S. So I was like, you know what? It's fine. I just changed my whole life. Let's change it all over again. So here we are. I'm back, I'm back in the U.S. So I want to kind of backtrack a little bit because you said that it all started for you with magazines and blogs. And I feel like that's just the way it always starts. Nicole, could you agree on that? Well, yeah, because it wasn't Instagram and all that stuff around when we were kind of getting into that aspect of health and wellness. So that was kind of what was going on at the time. Magazines were the thing. Blogs were also big. I wrote a blog for a friend of mine for many years. And I feel like that was just our way to talk to people that weren't directly correlated to whatever gym we were associated with. So, But I also think outside of that, like any fitness or nutrition professional in the field, like that's where you started. And then it went from that, you know, transitioned into giant textbooks on the subject matter yeah. and scientific articles and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of catapults into this thing where now you're just completely involved and invested and continuing your education and, you know, then really learning the science behind things. And then you start to realize like, all right, well, these things that I read in the magazines are they're pretty on point and these things really aren't. And this is what's really going on inside the body. So I just think that it's cool because I can really relate to that. For me, it started with Flex Magazine. The first time yeah. I picked up a issue of Flex Magazine, I was like, all right, well, what are these guys eating like? Because I want to look like them. And OK, protein is a staple in my diet and I need to eat X number of meals a day and I need to eat, you know, calorie surplus. And, you know, then it just grows from there. So I just think it's interesting that you brought that point up. So I want to kind of segue into the next thing where now you're in the U.S., you've studied nutrition, you've learned about exercise through your own journey and through helping others. And how was that transition for you moving from Brazil and studying there, coming back to the U.S. now as a fitness professional? So this is something that I was actually, uh, right before, you know, I knew we were going to record and I was thinking about my whole journey, right. And, and how it started even in the U S and, um, re-listening to some of your podcasts and Sama, 
who Summer Gobani was interviewed by you guys. And she's a really good friend of mine. And I was listening to her journey and I remembered, I just, you forget, right? I remembered when I first moved here, I did get an entry level job. Um, I was working retail and something that's been very important in my whole life is just networking in general. So I knew I needed to transition into the fitness field here. I had no I have no family in the United States. I have, I had no friends. I had nowhere to go and I didn't have anybody to ask for help. So I needed to kind of, you know, carve that pathway for myself. And at the time I was working retail, I was working full-time. I switched to part-time and I got a part-time job at a gym, a really small studio gym, uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I remember during my interview, it was actually for a front desk position because I didn't even know where to begin. I was like, okay, how do I become a fitness professional in the United States? Do I need a degree? Do I need just to get certified? What, where do I go? So I went to a gym and my interview at the time was for a front desk. And I was like, okay, I, this is my goal. Okay. I want to become a nutrition coach. I want that. That's my primary focus. I noticed that your gym does not have a nutrition program. Is there any way that I can, you know, maybe start at front desk position and we can maybe develop a nutrition program together. That was literally, I just walked into the gym and I was like, here I am shabam. And I remember my boss at the time was like, okay, hold your horses. There's no room for a nutrition program here and anywhere for that matter, because this was what he told me. Okay. He said that somebody who is paying for fitness or for, uh, you know, for personal training and wants to learn about physical education and not necessary, they're not going to pay for nutrition. That was literally what he said to me. He said, you're either going to pay for personal training or they're going to pay for nutrition. And right now all we have is room for personal training. And I remember I went home and I cried because I was like, okay, he just destroyed all of my dreams and I don't know where I'm going to go from here. And I, you know, I still took the front desk position. I was there opening the gym every day at 6am, leaving at two, going to my other job. And in that, so then I started asking the trainers where, how did you become a trainer? What do you do for your nutrition? What, how are you educating your clients? How is it? What do I need to do? to get to where I was before I moved to the United States to get to where I want to be when, you know, as a fitness professional here. And they told me, well, first of all, get certified as a personal trainer. Perfect. So I would get home at night and I would study for my, my, at the time, NASM certified personal training test. And I got certified. And then I approached my then boss and I said, Hey, I'm certified as a personal trainer. Will you hire me as a trainer here? And he said, no. <laughs> So I was like, okay, what do I do now? And, and I asked him why I asked his reasoning behind it. And he said, well, you're inexperienced. You have no experience as a fitness professional in the United States. It's very, it's done very differently in Brazil. And he had no idea how it was done, but that was his assumption. And you're doing very well as at the time I was like administrative assistant. Cause he had promoted me and I'm putting that in air quotes. And I said, okay, great. Thank you. And I went home that day and I literally Googled personal training jobs. That was, that was what I did. And you're like, I'm out of here. Uh, yeah. Done. I was See, like, okay, great. You wait, just this is the part of the story where <laughs> I get to interject and say his loss is our gain. Goodbye, sir. And right. thank you for pushing this beautiful soul into her purpose 
and catapulting her into places where she didn't think she could go. Cause that's what, that's what those moments are given to us for. And just from, for our listeners to kind of correlate why Anna is such an amazing coach is these are the types of things that as people we endure um, and we, you know, have to, how many times someone says no to you before you continue to, you either quit or you push through and you ask questions, just like we talk about nutrition, you can weigh in, the scale doesn't go your way and you can ask questions to your coach and figure out what you need to do better. Or you can get off the scale, cry and go home and quit. And this is part of what makes the correlation from coaching into if there's anyone listening to this that can understand or relate to things not always going the way you see them going and still having the push, the drive and the ability to overcome those obstacles. It's one of the reasons why you are one of my beautiful friends and why I think you are such an incredible addition to our team. These are the things that make or break you as you go through life. Absolutely. And I have, I say this a lot, uh, not even to my clients per se, but I say this a lot to my friends. You're either a victim of your circumstances and you play yourself as a victim and you portray yourself as a victim or you're a winner and you're victorious in what you're looking to accomplish. There's kind of no middle ground in my opinion. Obviously it's a process. You're not going to become a winner overnight, but you, if you're eternally playing that victim card and you blame others, you blame circumstance, you blame whatever, and you never look at yourself and you never put yourself in the front seat, you know, that you're the driver, you're never going to get to where you want to go. That's yeah. just what you gotta, you gotta own your process. Own it. You do. It's all on you. You're in the driver's seat and that's it. It's not on anybody else. And whatever happens, you just got to kind of bust through that. Exactly. So, um, you know, right. Just to go back to that story. So then I, soon after I started working for lifetime athletic, which is thankfully a company that actually values and sees the value in pairing nutrition and training. So that was where I ended up, thankfully, after having a few doors shut in my face. That's where I learned and where I started. Well, I already knew that fitness and nutrition walked hand in hand, right? That was where, you know, in Brazil, I told my my then boyfriend, who is now my husband, we have to pair together. We have to pair nutrition and training. There's nothing one isn't separate from the other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at lifetime, I learned how coaching is done here in the United States. So I realized that it's, it's much different than how it is applied in Brazil. From my experience and my background in Brazil, you learn all the physiology, you learn all the calculations, you learn how to build a nutrition plan for somebody but it's not a practice. It's not a process. It's just a one-off. Here's your plan. Go do it. Just like a fitness plan. I'm going to stop you there. So I'm going to say two things. One, I do think that even here in the U S that that is the old way of doing things. So I think there's a timeline kind of continuum like that, that yeah. kind of led us to where we are today in the coaching space. And two, I will also say that even from my experience learning in the U S from a uh, I guess like institutional educational background, right? Coming from bachelor's degree, now master's degree in nutrition is that you learn all the science and you learn a lot of clinical application. 
and you learn a lot of like do's and don'ts and, and kind of all that stuff. And you do develop a really solid foundation, but the coaching aspect of it is something learned separately. It's learned from experience, re reading and research on your own. And like you said, Nicole, the next thing I was going to say is it's also learned from experience. You experience people and obstacles that they have to overcome and you have to help them get through that. And then you have to learn how to help them to get through that. And there's also a big psychology piece. And this is why, you know, what Nicole brings to our podcast too, and what she brings to her coaching and what she's brought to me as a coach and taught me about coaching is that there's a psychology piece that like, let's be real. If you went to study nutrition in college, you're not studying psychology. I, I mean, I maybe took one psychology course and all of like, I'll never, ever take another psychology course unless I just choose to like dish out, you know, like 1500 bucks out of pocket and pay for it. But you don't learn that stuff until you're actually coaching and practicing. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It is you go to school for something very specific and institutionally, you only have a few years to get that education, right? You have to learn X amount, you know, whatever the curriculum says, and then you have to kind of figure out the rest on your own, unless you can continue, you know, obviously continuing education is very important, especially in the fitness industry where things are changing constantly and we're learning things and all the time. So I a hundred percent agree. And I think that's where it is. It might be a time continuum gap. I think it's also a cultural thing. Um, it's very difficult. I, I'm, I mean, I see this all the time where coaching the word coach in Brazil is a negative term almost because it's all, it's, it's kind of portrayed as somebody who's just going to take your money and fool you. They have no, they don't know what they're doing. They're just going to try to trick you out of your money. So it's something that when I, you know, when I talk to my friends from back home and I say, Hey, I'm actually a nutrition coach. I'm no longer practicing as I did before, or, you know, as you guys are, here's a suggestion or whatever. I'm actually oftentimes whatever I'm doing is frowned upon, which is something so surprising to me because it works. And it's something that I'm so passionate about here. And my clients see good results and my friends see good, good results. I see good results. So it's, it's very fascinating to me how culturally we're just on different pages. Here's a couple of things, Anna, that I have some questions I have for you. So I want you to kind of walk me through. I mean, I'm always in awe of your positive mindset for you guys that are listening. Anna is the type of person that literally she's always smiling. No matter what conversation we have, she's always sees the positive side. So I, my question to you is where does this incredible positivity come from? You're so optimistic about things. And when we talk about literally anything it could be raining outside and she's like, well, it's a, still a beautiful day. Like, where does that come from? Part of it is just uh, an inherent personality trait. I think I'm pretty sure I was a smiley baby to begin with. I'm not sure I can ask my mom, but um, I also I'm very good at uh, compartmentalizing things and in my life. So if something is going awry professionally, it won't affect me in my personal relationships and my personal relationships won't necessarily leak into my professional so I think another important aspect is, like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm very much of the philosophy that you, you can't control everything. I mean, for the most part, we can't control anything. 
Uh, and if you are constantly caught up in the things that you can't control, you're just going to have a negative outlook. And it's very important to try to see the positive. I, I don't know where it comes from, but it's something that's gotten me through, I think the thick and the thin, right? It's mm -hmm. gotten me through, it's gotten me to where I am now. And I know it's going to get me to where I still want to go because I'm not there yet. But I just feel like if you're always just victimizing yourself and if you're always just seeing the negative in every situation, you're never going to evolve. You're never going to move forward because you're just going to get stuck. You're just yeah. going to focus on the negative. And I think, um, that's, that's probably just how I've always lived my life and it's never gotten me anywhere bad. So here we are. Yeah. It's a good part of the coat of your coaching too. Absolutely. It's Cause you lift people up, which is what I love about you so much. Lift me up girl. Um, okay. What are some of the things in terms of coaching that you find to be challenging? Like, I mean, I know you super positive, but let's, let's get real here. I think, coaching is difficult because it's not an immediate result, right? Coaching in itself, the word coaching is something it's, it's a process. It's a practice. It's not something set in stone and you can calculate and recalculate and you can estimate and you can project, but you can't hundred percent control the outcome every single time. And sometimes in the coaching process, it's difficult for somebody who's so anxious and eager to get to, a, to achieve a certain result or to get to a certain outcome to be patient and yeah. to just sit back and trust the process because the calculations and the estimates and the projections and the everything it there's scientific evidence behind it, scientific backing, but life happens, things change, right. you change, circumstances change. So it's important to recognize that it is a process and that sometimes taking two, uh, taking one step back will get you two steps forward in the future. Yeah. So that's, I think that's the most difficult part as a coach and, and as a coachee, or, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That happens to me too. I know it's frustrating when you have, when you're so anxious and eager and it doesn't come out exactly as planned. So I think <laughs> that's the most difficult aspect of coaching in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I've never struggled with that myself. Like it's always been like, all right, well, if it's not working, then what do I change? And then how do I kind of pivot? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that it's important to realize that too. Like, okay, well, this isn't working. So, you know, what do we need to do? I think also the frustration as a coach sometimes comes from, you know, if the clients are like, if somebody tells you they're not seeing results, like if, well, if you're not seeing results, you're not doing what you need to be doing sometimes. And th I think that, you know, for me is challenging. Aside from that, what else, anything else that you find challenging from a coaching perspective? I think conveying your point or the bigger picture and helping guide your client through that. So you mentioned sometimes, you know, clients will complain. I'm not seeing results. It's not happening as fast as I would like to, or sometimes they're seeing progress. And then all of a sudden either progress stalls or it goes backwards. And I think being able to understand where each and every client is in their journey and what points you might need to adjust as opposed to just saying, you know, you're just not putting in the work because sometimes they might be, uh, or sometimes we underestimate how difficult certain, certain things are. Sometimes something that's very simple to me might not be simple to my coachee, right. So, or to my client. So it's very, it's very important. I think to 
I th- and I think this was the most difficult for me to learn as a coach. It's something that I'm still learning. I think we, I mean, we talked about this in the very beginning. Coaching is something it's very much based out of experience. The whole psychology behind, especially nutrition related coaching is, is understanding where each and every person is coming from. And maybe they don't have the same resources that we do, or maybe they don't have the same primary foods that we do. You know, you guys talk about this all the time. If they don't have the same resources, support system, education, uh, cultural background, all of that will impact how they understand and perceive their journey. And, and then I think that's the, the most tools that we're trying, we try and instill in them. Right. Yes. Cause that's part of this too, is when you talk about, you know, coming from different, from all aspects of life or different walks of life, that's a really fantastic point. And there are tools that we learn from a coaching standpoint. We have the science, then we have the tools and the strategies. Some of them work and some of them don't depending on the person. So I think that's a really good point. Being able to know you know, as a coach, we have tools in our toolbox and what to use for which client and how to apply and how to motivate and instill positivity in them without making them feel guilted or shamed, which they already feel before they even get to see us, especially when it comes to food, holding things down and lifting them up. And then also there's a little aspect of tough love, which does have to happen every now and then. So a little bit of balance of all of those things. I think, um, and to, to that point, I think as a coach, this is still the most difficult piece because I'm very much like Darone where I pivot, right? Okay. A door was just shut in my face. Where mm-hmm. do I turn now? Where's the next door? What are the steps that I need to take to get me to where I want to be? Are they going to be difficult? Sure. It's, it is difficult. It's never easy. Nothing is ever easy. Nothing is ever free, right? You have to work towards it. So I am very much of that mindset. And sometimes I have to take a step back and realize that some of my clients aren't there yet. They yeah. don't come from the same background that I do. They didn't experience, I mean, I have experienced significant changes in my life. And I think that that makes it easier for me to, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of. See bilingual problems. Um, (laughs) the, the word I'm trying to think of is it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. It's easier for me to process smaller change and just do it because I've been through such significant changes, but I have met people in my life that have never gone through significant change. And so even the little things are very difficult for them to process. Mm -hmm. So I think as a coach, I would say that's one of the most difficult pieces. It gets easier as time goes on and you start to notice a pattern and it is all, it it does all come down to psychology and how, and we have all the tools in our toolbox. And as we evolve as coaches and humans, we start to, we have more tools and we have more, we have access to more resources that we can apply to our coaching clients that can help them get through that. I think it's great that you bring the psychology and human. I mean, that's why you work for Eat Right Nutrition because yep. <laughs> you bring that human growth and development aspect to your coaching and tie it in like, hey, like this isn't just about your nutrition. This is about your life and your habits and change as an individual, not just hey, like I want to achieve this physique and look a certain way and eat a little better. It's, you know, just overall growth and development of like, you're looking at, well, how do I elevate my clients and bring them up to a level where they're confident, they're comfortable, and they're just exponentially growing in all areas of their lives. Exactly. And I think that's the main difference that I see in my current nutrition practice here in the United States, it's very much 
I would say it's almost even just lifestyle coaching. Obviously there's a nutrition piece to it. Of course there is. It's what everybody's, I mean, they're reaching out looking for nutrition coaching, but if you master, I'm, I'm also very much of the philosophy of if you can control one little thing in your life, which you can't control all of the things, but if you can control one thing, or if you know, you're putting in the work to control one thing that will trickle into every single part of your life. You will win the day. If you wake up early and maybe just grab your meal prep, right. Instead of just walking out the door and forgetting your food that you had prepped behind, or if you remember to take your vitamins in the morning, or if you actually go to the gym, even though you're tired and you had a long day and just making these small shifts in priority, you start to see improvements in every single aspect of your life. I mean, who has never, I don't know, nailed their nutrition and their training for a period of time. And they felt so good that that made them I don't know, shine a little brighter and maybe attract better people to their lives or improve their relationship with their significant other because they have an improved self image and, and an improved relationship with themselves. So it's very, I think that's the most gratifying part of coaching for me. It's seeing these these small changes. I have every time I get a text or an email or a call or a coaching session with a client and they tell me, that they have never felt so good, or they have an improved relationship with their husband because they're just going for walks together. You know, just the little things, the little lifestyle changes are what make they, it's what moves me as a coach. It's what got me into coaching. It's what got me into nutrition. It's what got me into, you know, where it got me where I am today. It's where that's what I wanted to do. Well, you did say you wanted to change the world. You're I just did. doing it one person at a time. You're doing it one bite at a time. One bite at a time. That, oh, was, you know, that was the original before real science, real facts, real food. <laughs> that was the original proposed. I guess that was the original slogan for Eat Right Nutrition was changing the world one bite at a time. That's but, hilarious. That's but then I like good. I mean, I might use that as a tagline somewhere, but it's, you know, <laughs> then we went with, you know, the podcast and real science, real facts, real food, because, you know, that makes sense to me, too. But yeah, you're it. changing lives one bite at a time. <laughs> yes. Okay. I like that. I might use that. You can't you're gonna have to. That's going to have to be your hashtag now. <laughs> right. Nutrition and then hashtag one bite at a time. Well, you talked a little bit about your philosophy in terms of nutrition. Is there anything else you would add to that? I think now my, I mean, obviously I'm also a personal trainer and, uh, you know, as my nutrition coaching has evolved, so has my training. Obviously I'm still, there's still continuing education going on. And I now, something that couldn't be separated before now is even more closely tied in where I am more educated in personal training and exercise philosophy and everything. So it's an important piece to my coaching philosophy. And I, another thing that I work a lot with my clients on, and I think this is just a generational thing or not a generational thing, but it's a today thing where humans are just overstressed and overworked. And mm -hmm. so I think the, one of the biggest and the most recurring themes in my coaching sessions is actually stress management. And is that a, is that a, uh, a today thing or is that a U.S. thing? Like, I feel like it's an American thing. It's not. Honestly, I, I find that, I mean, I come from a country that's very 
there's a lot of government subsidy. I, I don't know what the correct, the proper terminology for that in English is, but the government kind of helps a lot. So people are very secure if they get a job and they get, they, they can't be fired easily. And if they are fired, then they get like, I don't know, X amount of unemployment guaranteed. And they get like this huge, like severance package every time. So people are very secure. And I think that that takes a little bit of the stress off their shoulders. Whereas here you kind of, you can be fired whenever you want, whenever your employer wants, right? If you're not performing, if you're underperforming, you're gone. And for the most part, right. If you have a good paying job usually. So I think that's a huge part of stress. I don't think it's just a U.S. thing. I think it's very much, uh, I think the world is kind of moving into that where every, everywhere it's, is becoming more stressful, obviously on different levels. But, um, I do find that in the U S there is that culture, right. Of work more, make more money. And then that cycle of the more work I do, you know, we, we're just hundred percent focused on work all the time. (laughs) Let me ask you this from from moving from Brazil, and this might be a little bit off topic, but for moving from Brazil to here, lifestyle wise, right? Governance, government subsidies, all that stuff. And then you come to the US and it's kind of like earn your keep kind of mentality where you work your ass off and you can live out the American dream. What are your thoughts on that? Like, where do you what do you where do you prefer to be? I actually prefer the US. So because I'm I'm the go-getter. I have to keep me, I have to be kept on my toes. I'm just, I, I moved that way. So if I get complacent, I'm bored and I'm, I'm depressed and I'm not happy. So I think that was one of the biggest thing. I mean, and in my personal relationship, my husband's the complete opposite. <laughs> he, sometimes he struggles with that concept of the more work I put in, the more I can get out of it. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, okay, how can I make more? Can I do more? Okay. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to do it. So it's just how I function. I honestly prefer this, but I'm not saying it's a healthy, a healthy way of living for sure. And there's and gotta be some kind of balance. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it out. Sometimes I have more balance than, than other times. I think I'm going through a moment of my life where I have zero balance to be quite frank. And I, and it's funny because it's one of those things for my clients is do as I say, not as I do, because I absolutely tell them to slow down all the time. I'm like, okay, you have to find time for self-care. <laughs> and, and sometimes I'm like, okay, maybe I should email my clients while I take a bubble bath. I think that's my, <laughs> that's how I, that's how I do my self-care. I'm like, okay, how can I do work while I relax or I'm doing cardio at the gym and I'm doing client check-ins, you know, it's just, I have to multi- do you're a multitasker. I I'm very much a multitasker, but I'm also like, a, I don't know if this expression works in English, but in Portuguese, it's like, I'm, I'm always plugged into, to the, um, to the plug. Like I'm always, I'm always on <laughs> just yeah. like, I have to, I have to keep going. Honestly, culturally, I prefer there. Are, I mean, in regards to work and earning your keep, the U S is definitely more dog eat dog. And you kind of have to, that, that is a stressful scenario, but I think in a million other aspects, the United States has other positive aspects. Like there were much more secure here, um, in terms of actual safety, physical safety, you can become a dignified, you can have a dignified life, even if you earn minimum wage here in the United States. Um, and in Brazil, that's not, that's not a reality. So there, there are some aspects of obviously Brazil is a beautiful country and I love where I come from. And culturally I wouldn't change a thing, 
but I'm so divided literally because I've spent literally half of my life in one country and literally in half of my life in another country. But there, I think I, I've kind of been molded into like half and half of, I got the good aspects of Brazilian culture and then the good aspects of American culture. And then that made me who I am today. But the U S is honestly, I wouldn't, I would probably, I'd never say never, but I probably wouldn't move back to Brazil. If that's what you're asking. <laughs> I will say I, I, will, I will be your coach for a while still. Don't worry. <laughs> I will say they probably do more squats in Brazil because those booties. Just- <laughs> they do. And so funny story, maybe off, topic, maybe off topic also. So actually, I have heard this before, though. You get clients because you have a Brazilian booty. I have heard that countless times, which is unfair to to me as not a, not as not because you know not because you know what you're doing or anything no no no. i have no i idea was gonna doing. say i've done workouts with anna people she's works her booty on i'm just genetically off. blessed i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i'm definitely not genetically blessed i have to find my old photos i look nothing like the stereotypical brazilian body i do now i didn't before um but i totally lost my train of thought. I, I was going to say, uh, there was a, there was actually a, an internet Instagram based, uh, fight. I'm going to, uh, it wasn't really a fight. It was like a, an argument, between a very, a very, um, prestige Brazilian coach and author with a very, uh, famous American author versus hip thrust. It was hip thrust versus squats. And it was that discussion of which Mm -hmm. is better better. for glute development and growth. And it's actually, I mean, from what I understood in the more recent studies, it's been actually proven that the hip thrusts are more beneficial for glute development than squats. And that whole argument, basically like the Brazilian author, uh, he was actually, it turns out he was actually manipulating his studies. So, I mean, it's a very Brazilian thing to do. You kind of, but he, okay, hold on. Let me, let me get in on this. Okay. First of all, doesn't it just, I love both exercises. Clearly. Does it really I'm, matter? Is that what does it matter? Say? Yeah. I was going to say if the person I'm doing gonna squash it, this, I'm going to squash this. No, whole no, no, wait, thing. let me finish. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to squash this whole thing and say <laughs> step ups. Okay. Well, High box step ups, more glute activation. Listen. Mic drop at the end. All all three exercises. This is what I this is what drives me crazy about the industry, especially Instagram or the Internet and people arguing. While one study can show one exercise does more, it depends on who's doing the exercise. Like I could do hip thrusts and feel it more than the step up and you could do glutes thrusts and feel it more than a squat. Can't we just let the damn person decide which one feels good and let all exercises be an option in our toolbox? Do we have to really argue about it? Well, listen, realistically, if you're doing a workout, you're probably going to do both exercises either in the same day or over the course of a week anyway. So it really doesn't matter. Or at least in the course of your program design at some point in your fitness journey. So what difference does it make? That stuff well, drives me batshit crazy. Then that's the whole thing about, I think, coaching. A good coach understands that there is individuality in every yes, single aspect man. of a program, physically and nutritionally. You mm-hmm. have to, you know, you can't just program in. Uh, what about those clients who can't do squats or who just don't feel comfortable hip thrusting in the gym or whatever yeah. it may be? You can't just ignore that there's individuality in every single coaching program. All right. So while we are 
I guess kind of just BSing at this point. Let's go into our Spitfire. <laughs> Anna, I'm going to just shout out a few things and you just give me an answer to them. Okay. Favorite fitness clothing brand? Uh, Athleta. Favorite food? Uh, chicken parm. Chicken parm. Wow, that's a good uh, one. Yeah, Nicole, the, the Italian over here. The Italian over here. Favorite exercise? Hip thrusts. See? Favorite movie? Uh, either Across the Universe, which is a Beatles musical spinoff thing, or um, Big Fish, which is an old one, too. Oh, my God. I don't know either one of those. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen either of those. You have to watch them. They're really good. How old are they? Because I have pretty like a old. timeline thing where if it's past a certain, <laughs> I can't it's, watch it. Pretty it's like old. Too old. And I, I don't know because Finding Nemo was made like 100 years ago and we remember that. So I don't know how old these movies are. Is Finding <laughs> Nemo really probably that like old? 30 years old. <laughs> Finding Nemo is pretty old, isn't it? It is pretty old. I don't know. I didn't see that either. Okay, <laughs> oh I have I have one more. What what are you what? What was the last song that you listened to at oh, the gym? Let's see. I, I will tell you right now. Let me look at my Spotify. I don't remember. Probably some Beatles shit we never heard of. No, <laughs> I actually don't actually listen to Beatles regularly. I just like the movie. So I listen to really, really bad Brazilian music usually when I'm lifting. So it was probably something like that. I can't tell you what song it was because my latest Spotify listen was your most recent Eat Right Nutrition podcast. So, oh, that's right, girl. <laughs> you were you were jamming that's, out, working out. That's that. right. <laughs> What's your Instagram handle? Where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Anna, A-N-A dot Louisa, which is my part of my first name, actually weird Brazilian shit. So Anna dot Louisa, L-U-I-Z-A at letter S at the end. So it's Anna dot Louisa's. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Coach Anna, our fabulous coach. If you have any questions for Anna, feel free to shoot us a DM. If you'd like to book a consult with Anna, feel free to shoot us a DM or click the link in our bio to fill out our consultation form. And we will send that over to Coach Anna to book a complimentary 30 minute consult with you. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 